Growing and scaling a business is complex. It can be very scary and lonely trying to navigate it all. It comes down to the community of trusted people you surround yourself with. Let's dive in to the Business as People podcast. Welcome back, Julie. Always love having Julie back. Julie Migliacci is the co-founder of Revent, and they are specialists in events, corporate events, and based here out of Massachusetts, but they do all events across the world. So welcome back, Julie. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. How are you doing? Doing good. I'm still here in my my office dungeon at home. I call it a dungeon. I really learned to embrace it. I have my kid's tent here next to me. So sometimes they'll like hibernate here and play with me while exactly. I'm on meetings. And you have Iron Man <laughs> behind you. So you're safe. Yes. You're protected. <laughs> yes. I like to keep, you know, all of that energy surrounding myself. So, you know, today's topic, we're going to talk about kind of like, what does events look like now? It's March of 2022. There's a lot of things happening. It's a little scary out there that right now the war is happening, you know, with Russia and Ukraine. So that's also probably affecting, you know, people's potential to travel and do events and also folks coming here to the U.S. to attend some large events. So I really want to kind of understand and share with our audience, like, what are the options out there today? What does the trend look like? And also helping leaders and marketers or anyone that's doing these event plannings really understand what steps do they need to do to help them better understand their consumers before they go all in planning an event. And I think you got some new, new insights from that. Yeah. 100%. So, so overall, like what's happening, what are you hearing right now? So the event world is going through another little fun pivot. So we did it two years ago. We're doing it again now as in-person is opening back up worldwide, which is great. Who doesn't love to see people? So what we're seeing is a lot of organizations talking to companies like ours to see about the option of doing a hybrid event. So that's when you have a full in-person audience and then you have a full virtual audience as well as potentially some virtual speakers. So that's what we define hybrid in the event space. And people are coming to us to do hybrid. And how do you do hybrid? Well, there's a lot of terrible hybrid out there where they're just pointing a camera at a stage and sort of leaving the web audience isolated. So we're working with a lot of our clients to help them execute a great hybrid event. So that's when you take full advantage of what's great about being in person and you take full advantage of what's great about being online and then you try to merge the two as much as possible during various times of the day. But it's really meant to create sort of a true track of that. And what we're seeing as we're coming out of the pandemic is a lot of people saw a lot lower cost of planning you know, small to large events because we were full virtual, they tend to be a lot less expensive and the net income from those events were a lot higher than their in-person counterparts from a few years ago. Now, as we're getting into this hybrid format, people are a little bit surprised at the costs associated with them. Because in essence, you're planning a full in-person event. So venue, audiovisual, catering, all those costs, travel, all of that. And you're also still planning a full virtual event. So that cost is still the same. It's much lower than the in-person counterpart, but it's still there. And then in between, you have to add you know, a camera crew to be able to film it and push it out to the web. So really in essence, you're creating two and a half events, which can be a lot more, you know, hit your wallet a little bit harder than a full virtual. And that's a tough reality. I think businesses are like, so is this the new or normal of what events are gonna look like moving forward? Or is this kind of just right, 
a short-term thing because people still aren't 100% comfortable being live? I think it's the new normal where as an attendee, when we do surveys, so, you know, we often ask people or our clients ask their potential attendees, like, do you want a hybrid solution? And it's a very popular ask. And what we're seeing in the trend being is that if you're going to do a large in-person event that's conducive to a hybrid format, attendees are going to require it. So it's not going to become a nice to have, it's going to be required. Similarly to your in-person event, you now need to feed people. Even if it's just coffee and a cookie, you need to give them something while they're in person. They're going to require that easy solution of being able to click on a link and join when it's convenient for them versus I don't think that was a requirement two years ago. And you mentioned a survey. So and this is something I always highly recommend in the marketing world, understanding customer success or client success is like, you got to get feedback. It's one thing to have the quantitative, which is just the data points, but the qualitative, like that's the context, that's the discussions, you know, because from your experience, I'm sure you've had data from events that are like annual big events, but you're seeing the shift and you really need to get insight on why you've seen that shift. And the best way to do that is not just looking at regular numbers, is actually having conversations with your potential attendees, your sponsors. So what are you doing in that arena when it comes to really getting a, a pulse and insight on how people feel? We do it in various ways. So some of our clients, we encourage them to survey their attendees, for example. So we have client that we've done, they came to us at the beginning of the pandemic. We did their conference. It's their big annual to-do conference. We did virtually for the last two years. Now they're going hybrid this year and they're seeing a huge drop in attendance numbers, like a very significant boring drop. They're not alone in that, by the way. There is a significant drop in attendees, both for in-person and virtual events. We're still trying to get to the root cause of that. But there just seems to be this fatigue of attending events, whether it's virtual or in person. So they did a survey. They reached out to all people that have attended over the last you know, three years and be like, hey, are you interested in hybrid? Are you interested in in-person? Try to get a sense of why people seem to be hesitant to commit to either type of event, but like two months out. And what's really interesting is when they were asked point blank, you know, where it's like, this is my answer to this question. People tended to blame COVID for not wanting to travel or not wanting to commit to either or. However, when they were asked point blank, like, hey, do you want to be a speaker or be on a panel? That's when all those words <laughs> disappeared and they immediately committed to attend the event. So there's some psychological reasoning behind that. I'm not an expert, but I thought it was an interesting tidbit. And what we're also seeing is when the same question is asked anonymously, so I don't have to really commit to a specific, like it's not my response anymore, it's just more general. The main reason people don't want to come is because of flexibility. So COVID is, you know, it's not across the board, but it seems like COVID is almost becoming like the natural excuse to get out of doing something versus the actual reason people don't want to. So, you know, flexibility, people don't want to travel right now. It's really difficult. Like, I don't know if you've been on a plane, but every plane ride I've taken the past year has been a disaster. <laughs> so I also don't want to go to airports. So all these things, you know, I think are contributing to lower attendance. And also for full virtual events, so pre-pandemic, for free virtual event, 
having a 40% turnout was considered a win. 40% of the people showed up, you did a great job, you promoted your event properly, that was a win. The first year of the pandemic, all of a sudden, those numbers jumped to like 60%, 70%. Huge turnouts that as somebody that's been in the industry for 15 years, I was like, what is happening? Why is everybody showing up? This is different. This is new. And now we're seeing that number drop and 30, 35% turnout is more the average at this point for a free virtual event. So it's definitely changing. Yeah. And leaders and, and planners, they have to listen to what their target audience is saying and doing and feeling because you don't want to put all this time and effort into something that, you know, might not bring in the results you're, you're expecting. And everything ties back to revenue eventually, right? Like goals of sales, like are you doing these events for brand awareness and education, which is great, but you know, also the goal we know that every organization is trying to do is create some type of like pipeline and sales. So it's important to work closely with someone like you, you, your agency to plan an event that's going to be the most successful, but setting the right expectations. Because I fall in that group, Julie, where I I want to get out there. Trust me. I love going to events and even large marketing events. And I haven't gone, you know, I've been here for two years. I haven't really gone out and seen anyone in person because, you know, with four kids, three of them got it vaccinated. The baby still hasn't yet. We're hoping that they will have that once she does. And then for me, you know, I would check off like, you know, COVID, like it's a real answer, which is a real answer for you. <laughs> yeah. But for all the folks, um, even my wife even says it, she's like, you know, the travel time, the hotel, like to go for some of the three days to, to fly across. Like if I can get the same content and still get the same value, I'd rather just click here and just watch it. Of course, all the people like the personal opportunity, which is definitely intangible value when you can bump into someone at a oh, bar, have priceless. a conversation. And that's how deals are made. That's how relationships are made. That's how a lot of things happen. So there's pros and cons to everything. And it, you have to figure out what's best for you. But I think a lot of people are, are accepting the fact that they're changing their behavior. And the reality of leaders is they have to understand like people's behavior has changed. People's tolerances have changed. And we have to listen to that through surveying and, and talking to them. Totally. And, you know, the number one reason people are saying they would choose a virtual option over in-person is flexibility. You have to listen to that. And as somebody is planning an event, that's why hybrid, I think, is here to stay because that request is not going to go away. And if you're planning an event, you have to do a hybrid event and you have to do a good hybrid event. So not just pointing a camera at the stage, you want to engage your virtual audience. You don't want to let them feel like they're isolated just watching TV. They need to be having their own track event where they are virtually meeting people. They're able to do things that the in-person audience can't. So you really want to tap into that as much as possible. So not just giving them the flexibility, but also giving them something of value. What are some examples of, of what you say is a good hybrid event or good value? I think the biggest hybrid event that everybody has seen for years, I've never thought about it as a hybrid event, is the Olympics. So we just finished watching the biggest hybrid event in the world. So they do it beautifully. So the in-person audience is in the stands. They're able to touch the snow. They're able to see the athletes. They're able to engage with other people in the stadiums those things. So really the Olympics really taps into what's great about being in person. You're able to like do things, touch the mascot, do all those things. 
The virtual audience is everybody that's watching on TV and what they really tapped into what's great about being virtual that I can watch at my convenience. I am no longer tied to time and space. I can go to where I want to go. I could jump between stadiums. I can get stats. I could see the sweat because they zoomed in on that athlete going down their brow. You're able to experience the event in a totally different way than the in-person audience. And it's not less though, it's not less than the in-person, it's just different. And I think that's the ultimate hybrid experience that everybody can relate to. How, as a like business leaders listening to this, and yeah. I understand your analogy with the Olympics, but like for some people aren't as creative understanding. So can you give like an example of like how you use this as a business application? Totally. Uh, so what we recently did is actually we did an event where we had an in-person audience of about 300 people in a venue in the Boston area. We had a web audience of about 200 people and we had a speaker coming in from New York over Zoom. So we had the ultimate hybrid where not only just the audience was in two locations, but the speakers were also in two locations. And what we did for the in-person event is that we made sure the food was great, the decor was awesome, really took advantage of all the great things that about being in-person. For the virtual audience, we used a platform that is really easy to use, that's highly branded, that says a message, that gives a lot of statistics and ROI back to the event organizer. This was a fundraiser, so it has an ease to be able to donate and participate financially more into the event. For the actual live stream, so when we streamed what was happening on the stage, we took into account that it was virtual. So we kept the program as tight and as quick as possible. So the entire event was about an hour long, which is why you want to keep it for virtual. But it also was good for the in-person because it gave them more time to mingle, bump into each other, do all those things that are great about being in-person. Additionally, we hide a little bit of a mic feed in the audience. So if you're listening virtually, all of a sudden you hear the clapping, you hear the cheering, and it's not just getting picked up by the other mics in the room. It's as if you're sitting in the room. And those are like little tricks that could really help break that fourth wall a little bit. We also pull up the chat that's happening virtually. We pull it up on the stage on the screen and have the MC that's on the stage engage with that chat. So be like, oh my God, and we have a message from Steve. Steve, we're so happy you're here. Where are you coming in from? And they're able to chat back and have that type of real-time interaction. We coach the speakers ahead of time and be like, hey, while you're talking to the audience in the room, make eye contact with the audience. The camera at the back of the room is also your audience. So the same way you're going to connect visually with people in the room, add the camera at the back of the room as somebody that you're going to connect visually with throughout the program. So those types of little tricks, it sounds super simple, but if they're not done, again, that web audience is going to feel like they're just watching TV, which is not very exciting. <laughs> I would have watched Netflix. I don't know about you, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just hearing you say all these things, like it's so important, like the, the devil's in the details. And yeah. it's like all these little nuances, the difference between like one successful hybrid experience versus another is because of all these details that you guys consider. And then it's, it's amazing to really understand this side of it. Cause I don't know what gets involved into it and other people probably don't either, but just to see like the hard work of the, that the team needs to do to make something successful. So hopefully people can appreciate the process. And that's also the difference why 
people make the right investment because you also can't cheap out on a program because you have to make sure you have the right infrastructure, the right team, the right strategy, QA, backups for backups. So there's a lot of things I know you guys do to try to always plan for the worst, which with, with a lot of tech that can happen. Oh, we've seen it all. <laughs> we've been doing it for, we've seen sprinkler systems turn on during an event. We've seen fainting cameramen, <laughs> name it, we've seen it. And because pre-COVID, a lot of hybrid events were mostly for internal communications within large org, like the CEO needs to speak to their global employees. That was the standard hybrid event. Now we're seeing it through across all different types of events. And so it needs it to be more engaging. I think people need to step up their game a little bit to make it better. And we're there to help. I think we talked about, I don't know if we talked about costs in a framework. So just to kind of, for folks who said, okay, like I know that you said in the beginning, Julie, it's like two and a half events in one, in a way. So like, what's a cost expectation? Like, should they expect to spend two and a half times or like what, either yeah. give a percentage or, or a dollar amount that would be helpful. It's- it's a little hard to give, I could give you broad ranges because the streaming platform you choose is going to drive a lot of those costs because, you know, you can do free, which is like a YouTube solution to, we could spend a hundred thousand dollars if you want, just on the streaming platform and everything in between. I would say most platforms for a one hour broadcast, you're probably looking at around two to $4,000 for something that's brandable, you know, customizable, a little bit higher end. And then the crew, often what drives the crew is timing. So the cost to get that audiovisual crew is, you know, what time the events end, do we need to load in the day before? Is it that morning? Those types of things. And that normally starts at about $5,000 for the day and then can go up to, you know, 15 to $20,000, depending on the number of cameras, is everything man, the complexity of the program how many rooms you have, like all those factors. And we work with our clients to like try to figure out what do they actually need? Where can we save a couple bucks? You know, like if you're doing a three camera shoot, for example, do we actually need a camera operator at all three cameras? Or can one just be like a still shot of the audience, for example? So we work through that. So that's, you know, those two factors are really what's gonna push your cost. And where you have the most flexibility is on the cost of the platform because there's so many options out there. And, I'm, and also I'm assuming other costs like food is- Oh, a, yeah, but that's for yeah. like the in-person, you got venue, food, in-room AV, so projection, lighting, all those things uh, would be separate. Just a crazy idea. Has anyone ever thought like maybe for the virtual people, do we send them Grubhubs? So what are some out-of-the-box ideas you heard that you're trying to, for hybrid folks who can't experience like live? We worked with one organization where, you know, it was expensive, I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> created custom gift baskets that were sent to all the attendees ahead of time. And everything was branded to the organization's needs, but it included a do not disturb sign to put on their door, it included cozy socks, it included a little thing of champagne, it included some teas and some snacks and those types of things. And I thought it was just a really nice touch that it fully accepted that you're probably watching this in your pajamas and that's okay. And we're gonna help you make sure that you're nice and cozy and warm and that you can participate in the event from start to finish from you know 
teas to keep you hydrated throughout the day and champagne to celebrate at the end. And I thought that was a really nice touch. And for organizations that have that extra budget, it's money well spent. Is that an organization you, you can disclose in this conversation I or not? unfortunately. Because no. oh, <laughs> I want to give them a shout out because I- Isn't that a great well, idea though? Like, Because what, what they did there, like again, for, from a marketing standpoint, it's all about brand experience, right? And, and everything that you do, how you touch and how you interact and engage all those connection points with your, your, your prospects and clients. So like they did a wonderful thing because that- person who went to that event probably never had that experience before right so they're going to remember that event forever which hopefully means they will remember that brand forever like this company gave me this so now that's the standard, standard. <laughs> as humans that's that's kind of how we think like that's the standard that we hope it to have like the little d i for me the genetic serve sign like sold me i was like i love this idea we're doing it like it's such a simple little thing but it's unique it's different and i think they're all appreciated you know, you could always send food. We work with a lot of gift partners that really create, it all depends on your budget, but if, you know, they can create like a custom cheese board that you send with like the attendees initials engraved on it. And yeah, your logo is there too, but like it's a beautiful piece. And then you also send them like curated cheeses that are FedEx overnight. Like you could go really into the weeds with this and give them something that they'll use. And remember. Yeah, it depends on if you're a, cl- a company who, you know, doing something like this, maybe a larger sale for you or opportunity, like you, you put that type of investment and time into it. Or, you know, to, if you have the budget, you can do that and scale it and do it across hundreds and thousands of people. But the message we're trying to hit home here for folks who are listening is that just creating a good experience is, is that's just the number one focus. However, you can create that experience you know, empathize, sympathize, and just kind of understand what's happening in the world of your potential attendees, like that sign. I would use that just because I have kids. Like I would use that sign, not just for work, but also like my kids. (laughs) So like, if you can find a way to give something that's multi-faceted, where it's dynamic, you use it for multiple things. Like those are the types of stuff that people will cherish and remember. Exactly. And that's useful. It's not something that I'm going to be like, oh, thank you, and put it immediately in the trash. It's something that you're going to use over and over again, and then it becomes a worthy investment into your event, for sure. Correct. Well, this is really enlightening, so thank you for chatting with us today, Julia. Is there anything else that you wanted to share before we uh, wrap up? No, uh, but if anybody needs help just brainstorming on how to do a better hybrid and again, how to keep it engaging and interesting for your virtual audience, I would love to talk to them and give them a few more tips. All your information we'll, we'll have here in the notes so people can reach out to you. Awesome. Thank All you. Right. Till next time. Appreciate Til next it. Time. <laughs> if you have any questions and topics you'd like us to cover, please email me at podcast at or message me on LinkedIn.